20 square box. Blocks. Blocks. 20 square blocks. Square. We all go through changes in life. Sometimes they impact us positively, other times not so much. My guest today is Jason Wakefield. As a rehabilitation nurse, he witnesses changes in people every day. His purpose is to help them integrate back into their world or help them to embrace that change. I'm 48 years old. I um, have actually five children, actually. I have five children. Um, now, you hesitated. What, what's that about? I've got five, but I actually don't parent five. My oldest one is living in Melbourne, and I don't have any relationship with him since he was 10. A long story there, but that's, that's the reality of it. He's my son. And, right. And, and, yeah, so I've got four other children. Um, I'm a registered nurse, associate nurse unit manager at the QE. The, you're at the QE, that's the Queen Elizabeth? Yes, on the rehabilitation ward. So that's uh, looking after people with strokes, people who have acquired brain injuries, people who have broken bones, like, you know, accidents. Yeah, it's quite a busy place. It's a 30 bed ward and very challenging at times, um, but quite a rewarding job as well. So you have a lot of patients that have behaviours, problem behaviours. Naughty. Yes. <laughs> as in, you see them time and time again? Well, no, you have to, like, it might be verbal abuse, might be getting themselves out of the bed all the time deliberately, you know, that type of thing. Or, um, yeah, various different behaviours, some worse than others. Like, I had a priest as a patient and he had a stroke and um, he became quite a different person. And because he's a priest, everyone expects him to be a nice person. Mm. He was quite the opposite. Right. <laughs> quite an awful person. <laughs> and so he had to, and he could have male nurses, really, because he would behave differently around male nurses. So he's inappropriate around women? Yes, terribly. Like, you know, verbally abusive, calling them names, calling them, saying things like, you know, there should be a policy that old women don't work as nurses. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, like, if you're an older woman, you, you just ignore it, but it's quite offensive. And I was there at the time when he actually said it to the other nurse. And I said, I said to him, you're meant to be a priest. Uh, and you're meant to be a nice person. I can't believe you're talking to her like this. But then the next day he'd be fine. And so you get male nurses looking after him. And we went to a stage where we got security coming in when we would have to do intervention with him, like getting him up, getting him out of the bed or getting him into a shower. Because he would always roll out of the bed onto the floor deliberately. So... Just, uh, yeah, very hard. So that, that patient requires a lot of um, debriefing, a lot of breaks. You need to have a break from him. But he was a different person yeah, before he came. Yeah, he was a good priest and um, worked for a church and worked around Victoria. I know people that know him and he's a good person, so, you know. Strokes are a horrible thing, really, but, yeah. Originally, Jason attended Victorian University for a degree in nursing. After graduating, he went to Tennant Creek, a small, dusty town in the Northern Territory. There, he worked at a remote Indigenous nursing home, giving him a change that took him right out of his comfort zone. From Darwin to Tennant Creek was a little aeroplane. 
and it was tiny and it sort of like shake. <laughs> it was quite an interesting experience and then it was just very red and dry and people came from all around Australia. Um, had the school, had supermarket, had all the essential services. It had a lot of camps because I used to do a bit of community nursing with the community health person. I used to go with them and go off to the camps and help run barbecues. There'd be a hundred little kids getting around and the community would do tea for them and you would help them out by cooking the barbecue. Um, but working in that nursing home was a great experience because you work with the elders and they were all very nice people who were in their 80s and they were on the land. They're not actually, they weren't westernised and they just lived their normal life. The only thing they had was tobacco in a little tin. You'd do that every night, you'd put it on their bedside table. Now that's not something you do now. You don't tend to give out tobacco now, do you? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, not even allowed to take them out for a cigarette. You said you were married. When did you get married? When did I get married? I got married. You, uh, you've got five kids. I'm trying to. Th- I'm trying to do the maths uh, here, and I'm kind of thinking this must have been before you did nursing. The first one was when I was first one doing nursing. This is your first marriage. I didn't get married. I didn't get married. Okay, this is yeah, the first Kirsty. Relation- yeah, Kirsty. I met her. I was twenty, and then had Declan to her. And in that time, I started my nursing course. I used to go out with these nursing friends because in nursing, how many men are in nursing? Not many. I love being around females, and she didn't like that. She didn't like me having female friends. So I would go out with these friends, nursing friends, and say to her, "Oh, I'll be out with." the girls and she'd ask if the boy was there and I'd say, well, uh, maybe or maybe not, I wouldn't actually say. <laughs> and she'd turn up <laughs> to check. I had no, you know, romantic interest in any of these girls. I was just like, I was just doing nursing with them. It's just, yeah, so that, that relationship didn't last. And I met my second female partner after, yeah. <laughs> I may, I've lived life the hard way. Why are you rolling your eyes? You roll your eyes when you said... I could have... Because I've lived life the hard way. I should have just stopped the whole female thing then and went the other way. And it wouldn't be so complicated because I went... You know, I, I lived in Melbourne then. Yep. I experimented with my sexuality in, in Melbourne. And then I, I got a bit overwhelmed and scared by it all because it was a bit too confronting. What was too confronting? The whole... Um, People in a Catholic background, it's not like a gay person isn't something encouraged, not encouraged. So you'd be struggling with something. So you go to the church and sit there and get some sort of um, direction. But then because I was involved with the gay community in Melbourne in my 20s, I used to go to confession thinking I was doing the wrong thing. I remember going to confession twice in Melbourne and I look back now thinking, how crazy. But that's how strong the Catholic faith was on my head because I was doing something that I shouldn't do. You know, I was doing a sin. So I decided to come back to Ballarat 
had to meet a country girl thinking that was the answer. So you're in Melbourne, you're actually meeting a bunch of guys. Yeah, yeah, and having relations and that and going out and that sort of stuff. And you're in your 20s yeah. then too, right? Yeah. But then, as you said, you felt ashamed of that, so you actually came, came back to Ballarat after that. And that's when I met April, my four kids' mother, and I married her. You were with her for a while? Yeah. 12, say 13, 14. I didn't really know her that long before we got engaged. Okay. It was a seven week. Seven weeks? Dating. Seven weeks? Starting <laughs> <laughs> to laugh. No, no, that's, that's incredible. It was quite intense at the time, but I did like her. She was a lovely girl, and I, she, I, how funny is this? Because the first time I ever invited her over to my house, I said, don't go. You don't come until five o'clock because I was watching a soapy. I was watching Bold and the Beautiful. And I said, don't come till five. <laughs> yeah, who puts off a date for that? We had um, a lot of differences. We weren't very similar. We didn't have enough things in common, like... I think we got married for the wrong reason, really, in the end. Well, maybe seven weeks wasn't enough time to get to know her. Quite a good point. (laughs) I remember going to that marriage preparation class with April up at Ladies Have a Christians. Mm. And April was like, it was like dragging someone there. She said, why do you need to go to a pre-marriage course to get married? Like children, like... And I said, because... A lot of people don't last. <laughs> the irony of it. <laughs> so you've come out now and uh, it's... Uh, it made all sense to people. It was like, tell me something I don't know type of thing. I could have told you that years ago, Jason. I said, why didn't you tell me before I got married? <laughs> How many people told you this? Heaps of people, about 20, 30. Even my mother. Um, people don't always want to say it. I suppose... I suppose if it, if it comes from your parents, it's totally different. Back when I was 30 and I said to my dad, I've slept with men, I think I might be gay. And, um, and he said, no, I think you're bisexual. I was happy to hear that, I think. It fitted the narrative that you were comfortable with? Yeah, yeah, at the time. And um, you know, I, I had a cocktail party for my 30th. And looking back then at the photos, I'm thinking... I'd say, you know, it's a real gay thing to have a cocktail party. But <laughs> and it's like, hello, Dad. Was that just for your benefit? <laughs> but you knew when you were a teenager as well. Yes, yes. I used to love Boy George and I used to dress up in girls' clothes and I'd come out and show Dad. <laughs> I used to have a ball, but finally it all came out in the end. So I could probably say that um, as you're growing up, from a teenager to adulthood, try not to worry about society and other people's opinions and values and try and live your true self. I think that's that's the most important thing because you can waste a lot of time and life can turn out totally opposite to what it could have been. And I think um, living your life authentically is the most important thing from my experience because... You only have one life, and life can be a short time or it can be a long time. You just never know. 
He's got to make the most of it. What does your father think now? Well, now he's fine. He's realised, because my brother told him, my brother told him a few years ago mm-hmm. that I was gay and he, he and he said, no, he's not. And he goes, no, he's dad. He's got a boyfriend. Get used to it. The only one that doesn't think that. <laughs> and, um, and then I met Clive and I took him around there. And it was totally different. And Clive's the type of person that is very confident in his own skin. That's why he was the perfect person for the job. Right. <laughs> so I thought, well, it's worked out really well. So really, everyone's been very good. Oh, yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And if I was, cho- was to choose to get married to Clive, like, which could happen, um, it wouldn't be an issue at all. And who proposes in that case? Either one of you. <laughs> Whoever gets in first. Right. <laughs> Have you learnt your lesson not to get married, though? Well, you think that's okay now? I think it's okay now. You make sure you make the right decision. You take a while, take a long time to decide. You know, not seven weeks. Not seven weeks. No, I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. A little addition at the end here. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we had our chat, Jason, and there's been another change. Yes, we went out for dinner at Ruben's restaurant in Darlesford, in Hepburn, and we were walking back to the hotel, Peppers, and I proposed to Clive on his birthday. So I decided to do it in the rain, because Clive loves the rain. And he didn't hesitate, he said yes. Thanks for listening to 20 Square Blocks. If you can, please like and share, review somewhere out there, subscribe, or even better, recommend us to a friend of yours. Special thanks to Jason Wakefield, who lives... I don't know where he lives. Music by Ryan Goodwin. Check out other music at virtuallyryan.com. Ah, here we go. He lives seven blocks to the northeast of me. Additional material written by Anne Murison. Editing by the indistinguishable Ricky Cheno. The logo is designed by Chris Frith. And thanks to H-Studios for the use of their studios. I'm Ben Plaza, and this is 20 Square Blocks. <laughs>